Welcome to the Bookish Life Podcast. This is Sarah. And this is Phil. And we are back. Um, we weren't sure we'd be here, but we are. We're masked up just to be extra safe. Yeah, uh, Phil has COVID in his house, mm-hmm. although he, at the moment, knock on wood, does not have COVID. Knock on this nice 12-foot table that's in our office. It's a big table. It's a big table, Sarah. And I feel like everybody should see this table. We could almost get the entire podcast audience around the table. (laughs) We almost could. We almost could. Although it's growing. It is growing. Thank you. Yeah, thanks to everybody who's listening. I'm having a good time doing it. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, I'm sorry that you have COVID in your house. I hope everyone is healthy Mm -hmm. um, soon enough and back to school. Yeah, uh, the back to school part is the, really the key the for me. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Even though my kids are older, you know, you know how it goes. Oh, yeah. You know this school. story. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's been kind of a crazy week for me too with family stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't bore you with that. But I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we can talk about some books. So, yeah. Do you want to talk about what you're reading? <sighs> I'm still reading out, out <laughs> up from the depths by Aaron Sachs. This is again. This is taking me a long time. So. I don't want to talk about the book, but I want to talk about like what happens when one gets into a book like this. Okay. It's good enough for me to want to finish. I'm on page 306 of roughly 360. Okay. But I am not actively enjoying large sections of the book at this point. Mm-hmm. It has gotten fairly wonky in some areas, like too much detail, which is always a fear that I have when I read outside of areas of expertise, which Mm -hmm. certainly the lives of Lewis Mumford and Herman Melville are well outside my area of expertise. Uh, But I keep going because every once in a while I come across something really interesting or lovely. Uh, The Melville part is much more interesting than the Mumford part. So that's, and so it's every other chapter. So like just when I'm like starting to peter out, we get to a Melville chapter, but he's now dead in the book. So Anyway, so I'm, you know, it's kind of tough. Like some books you love, you finish, no problem. Some books you're like, this is not for me. I stop at like page 80 or 100. And then there's books like this where it's like, I'm going to finish, but it's become more of a chore. Yeah, see, I don't think I would let a book get like that for yeah. me. But I also have so much I need to read anyway. Mm-hmm. If I'm not going to love it, I probably won't finish it. But yeah. Um, I do think there's something to be said about spending time with difficult texts as well. Yeah. It's just easier when you have people spending that time with you. (laughs) Right. It would, it would be, if we were going to have a book club on it, it would definitely help me. Yeah. I think that'd be good. But I do not recommend it for a book club. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, well, gosh, I'm sorry. I wish I could give you some advice. I know you're going to finish it because that's who you are. Yeah, person. it's just kind of the reader's experience, you know. I mean, all uh, you and I are both big readers. I assume our audience here, yes. if you're listening to this, you probably read a lot. So it's just kind of a support group, really, for like some books. You just need your accountability yeah. partners to get you we through it. We can't wait to see how it ends. That's though. right. That's right. I think it's going to end with everybody being dead. Everyone uh, will be dead. Since, since they're dead. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh it, it was interesting. You know, I knew that Melville was not very popular in his time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the last 20 or 30 years of his life, he published almost nothing because the previous works had been so badly reviewed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a job in a customs house uh, through the help of his father-in-law. And he wrote 
prolifically. Yeah. Um, but he just didn't publish much. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's interesting where he settled in as a writer. He almost seems happier once he just once he got to like the age of sixty and he just wrote and he finished up his customs house job and that's what he did. Yeah. He seemed like a happier person than much of his life. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that kind of makes sense though. He's not really doing it for any other reason. Yeah, I mean he, he finally just was like got to the place where it's like I'm a writer, mm-hmm. I write, and, you know, at that stage of life, you know, yeah. your career was what it was. Yeah. Yeah, you've Not a lot of people it. break through at 60. Well, Dilly Owens sure did. Who's that? Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, yeah. 72 mm. or something crazy, I think. But anyway, yeah. yes, but you're right. It doesn't always happen that way. It doesn't. And even back then, the, the industry was a lot different than Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he would never be published today. Yeah. There's no way yeah. that Melville would be published. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, what are you reading? Well, you know, I've started teaching and um, love it. I'm having a great time. I, I did. I was thinking today, this is what it, it does to me is it keeps me from reading all the stuff I really want to read because I have to do the reading for mm-hmm. class. And I don't mind because I pick good things to read for class. Yes. So, but I do want to point out that um, I, I teach at the University of Arkansas here in Fort Smith, and I'm just an adjunct faculty member, but I have the honor and pleasure of teaching Comp 2 this semester. Um, and with that is Colson Whitehead's book, The Nickel Boys. So mm-hmm. I get to reread that. Um, but he is, I just want to throw out there in case you don't know it, that the university um, does great, great work um, with a community reads program and mm-hmm. that's what this is part of and so this is our community read book for the year um, very shortly you'll be hearing about book clubs all around town and different kinds of activities and and things that sort of correspond with this text that's community-wide mm-hmm. um, and Whitehead is scheduled to be here in February so it's you know it's a way for all of us not just university students mm-hmm. but the whole community to kind of get together and talk about this book and have these conversations. And it's just a really, really, really great book. So if people aren't familiar with mm-hmm. him or with the Nickel sure. Boys, you might say a few words. If they're going to go pick it up and be part of sure. it, I feel like Nickel Boys probably needs a little bit of a, yeah. a heads up maybe. I wouldn't say warning. Yeah, it's just not, a, a it's heads not, up. It's not a light read yeah. necessarily. So Whitehead, one of the things that is just phenomenal about him is, is he's written a lot of different things and it's kind of cross-genre like he's done. Um, like his last book, Harlem Shuffle, was kind of um, noiry. Mm-hmm. I um, loved Harlem Shuffle. So good. Yeah. Um, he did the Underground Railroad, won a Pulitzer. And Very difficult to read, yeah. but great. Um, and that had a bit of, of like magical realism mm-hmm. in it, where there was an actual railroad that ran mm-hmm. underground to, to take slaves to the north. Um, he did John Henry Days. Um, he has a vampire. That might be the no. And he has a van no vamp, zombie book. Yeah, I think. that's it. Um, He's done several different things. And he has great hair. Says somebody who has no hair. (laughs) Well, and he's just, he's such a fun speaker. Mm -hmm. Um, I had the privilege of seeing him at the Fayetteville Public Library when Underground Railroad was out. And I was expecting this really kind of heavy talk. Um, But it was, he was so funny and, and like cracking jokes Mm -hmm. left and right. Um, And just, he was just a really good speaker. So Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be, um, Good for us, good yeah. for the community to, to be able to visit with him and, and see him and talk about his, his writing. But the Nipple Boys, 
um, came out between Underground Railroad and before Harlem Shuffle. Um, and it's the story kind of based on the Dozier School for Boys that they uncovered all of these graves um, in 2012, mm-hmm. 2018, yeah. yeah, 2012 maybe. Um, and he never went there and like did like he didn't go there and like talk to all of these people necessarily, but he based this fictional account of these two boys who end up at the Nickel Academy off of, you know, that situation. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously not the first mass grave that we've uncovered in recent history. So, yeah. um, but it is, it's, um, I mean, he's a, he's a beautiful writer. Yeah. Um, we, so and we're just on like the first little part mm-hmm. so far in, in our comp classes, and we're talking about his use of language. Um, he's one of those writers I think that can really say a lot with a really short sentence, which I think is really impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, reading that. Can you talk for a second? Because I haven't read Nickel Boys because oh, okay. I, I just yeah I have to balance out sure. my difficult reads, mm-hmm. and I don't mean Herman Melville. I mean stuff that's emotionally hard. <laughs> right. So talk about. As a as a white reader, mm-hmm. how 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 should a white reader approach this book? Because it is definitely, I mean, it is not just race matters in the Nickel Boys, correct? Uh, yeah. What do you mean by race matters, though? Like, I mean, I mean, it's about black and brown. Yes. People. Well, and, I mean, and, there were definitely right. white kids at Nickel too. Right, but they it was were treated pro- differently. It, right. That's mm-hmm. my point. Like. Like, this fits into our national conversation sure. that we're having right now. And if people don't know that about the book, mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good entree into some conversations or some thoughts that maybe people haven't had. It also might be a good entree if you can get other – if you're already on board mm-hmm. with uh, Whitehead's perspective and other writers like him, it could be a good entree into co- conversations with people yeah. who aren't. If you can get them to read it, what I'm trying to get you to do is advocate for for getting people to read it or to get other people to read it. Well, I think you should read it because it's a a beautifully done story. Um, Yes, it deals with race, but it's not like Whitehead is saying, oh, I'm a black writer and these are black students Mm -hmm. and you should care about this set agenda. Mm -hmm. It's not not like that. He's posing like there are things that actually happened in our history that he is – sort of retelling. And that's why I think it's mm-hmm. useful. Sure. Like that's precisely why I think it's a good entree. Mm-hmm. And again, I just have read about it. Yeah. So I haven't read it. It's very But good. I think it's a good entree mm-hmm. for a broader conversation about race sure. because it's not going to come across like between the world and me. Mm-hmm. Like Ta-Nehisi Coates, which is very, it's very confrontational. Mm-hmm. If you're a white person, like as a white person to read between the world and me, that was tough. Mm-hmm. Reading the Underground Railroad as a white person was a different entree mm-hmm. into that type of conversation. Uh, okay. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, and I and I'm assuming Nickel Boys it opens a door potentially. Yeah, and maybe because it's fiction. Yeah. And it's not, you know, between the world and me is a letter to his son. Yes. Right. And, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's very personal, and there's a lot going on there. Um, yeah, I think you know. Gosh, Phil, I wasn't ready to have this conversation, so I'm probably going to mess this up. But, um, you know, one of the conversations we've already had in class is when you meet one of the main characters, Elwood. He is described as an academic. He wants to go to college. He's sometimes bullied because he stands up for what's right. 
And then the other boy, Turner, kind of comes from a different place. And so I think it's really interesting that Whitehead chose these two boys who have very different backgrounds and very different motivations to end up at this same place and having to navigate this really brutal world mm-hmm. and how, how they do that. Um, but I, but I think through it all, like, you know, my students are all colors mm-hmm. <laughs> and they already love Elwood. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they like who he is as a, as a young man. Mm-hmm. And, and we all share this drive and this ambition to be something better mm-hmm. than we have. Um, so yeah, I think there's that like universality to it yeah. um, that that makes it manageable for any any reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's some hard scenes, and there's going to be some opportunities for you to think about how you view the world <laughs> and how you you know how you're going to handle that mm-hmm. um, as a white person. But but I think that yeah, you're right. It's definitely manageable, and it it is a book that will let us have conversations that we need to have about our history. Does that answer your question? Yeah. There aren't scenes in it. Like there are some scenes in the underground railroad that I still think about. Yep. Um, I don't really know if the nickel boys has those for me, but it might just because I've read it so many times. Yeah. It's come, you know, yeah. I can't quite remember them the way that I did that one. But anyway. It would be difficult to top some of the scenes in Underground Railroad and how visceral they are. Yeah. But that's, I mean, he's a great writer. Mm, so, so I mean, he draws you into, mm-hmm. he draws you into scenes and experiences that lesser writers could not do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's really. You know, I think a good way to put a coat on this, as I think about our conversation here and the difference between coats and whitehead Coates is tell, Whitehead is show. show yeah. And I, I find show mm-hmm. much more compelling right. uh, than tell. Mm-hmm. And I also think show creates space for people who couldn't handle tell. tell. Um, and so that's, I guess, what I was trying to get at that's good. I like with, that. with my questions to you. And framing it for people. But I'm just kind of like, wah, wah, sorry, you can't handle that. <laughs> That's kind of my thoughts. I know, but like, it. you know, it, you I think ideally, it. yeah, you know. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, everybody exists on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And we want to, or at least one of the things I want to do is is create space within a conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, you want to at least have those conversations. Yeah, I think you don't want to give people, I don't, I'll, I'll stop saying you and I'll start saying I, I do that all the time. I don't want to give people permission mm-hmm. to excuse themselves from a conversation or a thought that I would hope they would have. Mm-hmm. And I think Whitehead doesn't give you that permission. Like he's going to keep you engaged because of his storytelling, mm-hmm. because of his writing, and because of the ways, at least in the Underground Railroad, and to a lesser degree, but still true in Harlem That's Shuffle, cool. yeah. the ways in which he goes about framing mm-hmm. A, not the, but a black experience mm-hmm. in the United States. Sure, yeah. And so I assume the Nickel Boys is similar mm-hmm. in that vein. So he, if he will be here in February, and if everybody in town will be reading this book, and if if a, anybody hasn't read it, so I'll read it now before I go here and talk about it. Until February. Yeah. Um, you know, read it, but also it's an opportunity mm-hmm. to get – something in the hands of another person who may not be willing to handle the tell mm-hmm. 
but could live with the show, mm-hmm. particularly if you, listener, are reading it along with them and have a relationship with them, like where they are safe to express things. Yeah, I might have to use that when I try to put it in people's hands now. This book will show you. Yeah. As opposed to tell you. Right. It's really good. Right. Yeah, it's how I feel about Chewbacca. You know, he, he's it's showing the Wookiee experience yeah. and not telling. Are you a House of Dragons fan? Do you guys watch House of, yes, House of the Dragons? Yes, I do. Tasha does not. Oh, that last episode was so good. Yeah. Well, and I've been, so this has been undermining my House of Dragons enjoyment, is I've been re-watching Game of Thrones for the mm-hmm. first time since I watched it. So this is only the second viewing. Oh, okay. Through. I liked it my second time. It's, yeah, it's, I think it's better. Yeah. I've read the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, because I started in season two, and I'm now into season four. And I probably shouldn't be watching Game of Thrones as I watch House of Dragons, because House of Dragons... House does of the Dragon. House of the, yeah, House of the Dragon Sorry. does not come across as well when you're watching Game of Thrones with it. Why not? Because Game of Thrones is objectively superior. Oh. <laughs> I think. Oh. As a show. Okay. I think if you'd released House of the Dragon first, mm-hmm. it would not have had the cultural resonance that That's interesting. That I don't Game know if everyone Thrones would did. agree with that, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, let's throw it down. So I was going to read one passage, but I'm going to read a different one now because okay. <laughs> we're talking about Game of Thrones. Okay. And so I want to, it loops into that. So shall we transition? We're going to lose all of our audience if we keep talking about Game of Thrones. <laughs> if we keep talking about what? No, this relates. Okay. okay. Right. It relates. So there's a great, um, there's a great, uh, physicist named Carlo Rovelli. He's Italian. Um, He is an excellent writer and he's written several books for lay people on physics. I have had the privilege of reading one of them, um, but he also writes regularly for The Guardian. Mm -hmm. And so he writes about quantum physics. Don't stop listening. (laughs) So if you haven't stopped listening yet, yeah. Stick going. with us. Yeah. So I'm going to read. This was in Saturday's Guardian. If you Google Carlo Rovelli Guardian, the name of the article um, is uh, Why Relationships Are the Key to Existence, which is a fairly benign, like you think it's going to be about like your boyfriend or girlfriend, mm-hmm. but it's instead about quantum physics. But it's very accessible. I'm going to read the end to you now. Okay. And this is going to tie back to Game of Thrones. Okay, I'm ready. Quantum physics may just be the realization that this ubiquitous relational structure of reality continues all the way down to the elementary physical level. Reality is not a collection of things. It's a network of processes. If this is correct, I think it comes with a lesson. We understand reality better if we think of it in terms of interactions, not individuals. We, as individuals, exist thanks to the interactions we are involved in. Oh, dang. This is why, in classic game theory, the winners in the long run are those who collaborate. Too often, we foolishly measure success in terms of a single actor's fortunes. This is both short-sighted and irrational. It misunderstands the true nature of reality and is ultimately self-defeating. I believe, for example, that we make this mistake all the time in international politics, prioritizing individual countries or groups of countries over the common good is a catastrophic error. It leads to the devastation of war and prevents us from addressing the true challenges that all of humankind 
a node in nature's network faces as a whole. So that concludes the article, or the essay. Okay. But here's why I relate it to Game of Thrones. Okay. Game of Thrones is great because it is precisely about this network of relationships, sure. not any individual. No individual is actually that significant outside of the relationships they inhabit in Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones, better than almost any other TV show, captures the cause and effect nature of relationships and the chaos that is created and how a bunch of people acting in what seem like good intentions or what seem like bad intentions end up doing the opposite mm -hmm. because of the nature of relationships and the ways in which those relationships then affect the story. Maybe. I think there's a lot of like self-motivation, self-individualized. There is self-individualization, yeah. but it's what makes it relevant is the chaos that that creates. Because every action, and a lot of stuff you watch, and certainly a lot of stuff we read, actions don't really have consequences. Mm -hmm. And Game of Thrones, I think, does a great job of showing the consequences of actions as part of a larger whole. That's really interesting. And, and so that gets back to the point Ravelli's making, that you don't look at an individual as just an individual. You can't really see the individual outside of their, their interactions. interactions. Right. Yeah, that, that's, when, that's what makes the man, right? Right. The way you treat other people and the way that you respond. Right. And even also the ways in which countless interactions have shaped any individual over the course of their life. So anytime you have any interaction with anyone, you are fundamentally changed in some way. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's minute. Sometimes it's significantly. But every interaction shapes an individual. Wow. You'll have right? to send that to me. I'll link the article. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's but, fascinating. Um, but, like, that's, they keep trying with quantum mechanics. If you're a physicist, I just want to say I apologize for the explanation <laughs> I'm about to give. But they keep trying in quantum mechanics, which is looking like atoms and molecules. They keep trying to understand what, how they behave as an individual atom. And what Ravelli's hypothesizing is that that's the wrong way to do it. You can only look at it as existing uh, as it relates to other atoms is the idea. We're plugging in the computer as we as we record. So anyway, I shifted there because we brought up Game of Thrones anyway because the article made me think yeah, about Game of Thrones. Yeah, but anyway. Interesting. Yeah, I'll have to un unpack that when I'm less tired. Yeah, I mean, and it, you just have to vary. I mean, if you read it patiently, that's the thing I like about Ravelli. If you read him patiently, yeah. he is accessible. Mm -hmm. You just have to read him more slowly than you would most of the stuff that I read. Yeah. At least. Yeah. yeah. Most of the stuff that you skim through. Anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Okay. We have um, uh, kind of gone gone off the... Uh, yeah. I was going to talk about a couple of books that are coming mm -hmm. out this week. Um, the one, yeah, How Not to Drown in a Glass of Water. That comes out the 13th, and this is um, by Angie Cruz. I haven't read it yet. I do have an, an advanced copy, and it's sitting next to my bed, and I've seen it a lot, like on Book Talk and things like that. Fiction or nonfiction? This is fiction. Mm -hmm. um, Kara is our main character. Apparently, she is out of work, lives in New York. She's a Dominican-American woman, and she sort of shares her life story at the counseling center at oh, okay. her job. So, um but I love the cover. It's really cool looking. 
it's very abstract. Oh, those are lips. Yeah. yeah, I got it. Everybody um, should look at that cover now. And then there was another one, I thought. I didn't talk a lot about the Stephen King book that came out Tuesday, mm -hmm. but um, it's getting a lot of buzz as well. I don't know. Oh, yeah, we were going to talk about Life's Work, a memoir. This mm -hmm. is David Milk. Is it Milk or Milk? I think it's Milk. Milk. Um, this is the guy who created the HBO series Deadwood. Um, and so he was reflecting on his unsteady childhood, vices, and career. Takes on a bittersweet residence now as Milk has received a diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease. So uh, sounds pretty sad. Mm -hmm. But um, that unsteady childhood and career stuff is hot right now. That's right. So um, those are coming out next week. Um, I'm sure there's something else that I missed. But I wasn't sure we were recording, so I didn't prepare as well as I could. <laughs> so sorry about that. Um, what That's else? good. Is that everything? Any events this week at Bookish? Oh my gosh, we have so much going on. So, um, yeah, so Shannon Sutter will be here Saturday for story time, as usual. Her book, though, is so cute. It's called Be Strong. It's not her book, the book she's reading. Um, on the 12th, which is Monday, we have our foodie book club, and it is anything Ju Julia Child mm. inspired. Mm -hmm. um, I'm making, oh man, um, I've been trying to speak French, I'm not doing a very good job. Mm -hmm. Basically, they're green beans. But she oh, Herricover? Yes, but that even that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> Herricover? No. Yeah, that, I mean that's the Oklahoma way yeah, of saying it. Is it? Anyway, I'm making green beans with butter and parsley. Mm -hmm. This is a recipe I found in. I stagged myself a copy of the Art of French Cooking. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm bringing. I'm not sure what everybody else is bringing. Um, but Foodie Book Club is a blast. I'm I am so bringing much. poached quail eggs. You're not. Coming. That's right. I'm lying. Um, and then Stems and Stories is finally coming on the 16th. Mm -hmm. So we're excited about that. I think we've sold almost like 45 tickets. We've sold a lot of tickets. How many are left, Sarah? Uh, none, really. Okay. Probably that ship has sailed. Mm -hmm. um, but if you ask nicely, I might be able to squeeze you. What if someone says, I heard about it on the podcast? Mm -hmm. Do we think that they, we might be able to squeeze them in? I will have to see. I mean, the wine has already been ordered. Yeah. Well, so. so what if they promise not to drink or they're alcoholic <laughs> and can't drink? Look at you making, helping people out. That's right. I'm here for you, listeners. Listen, just call me. Sarah with her tyranny. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, and it's our last one. Um, we are working on maybe a fun holiday mm -hmm. edition, but we haven't hammered out all those details yet. Um, and then. Novels seven, and Nog. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, who wants to drink Nog, though? But it's a good name. It's a good name. Very good. Um, and then we have another story time on Saturday with a local author, Marcus Woodward. Mm -hmm. He has a book called Bad Boy Bartlett. Oh, um, is it about the West Wing? No, I wish. <laughs> but close. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, it actually has nothing to do with the West Wing or President Bartlett. Okay. Um, best president of our lifetimes. Best president of our lifetimes. Um, I think that's all in the near future. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, okay. So we'll try, or at least Phil will try to be more focused next week. So and not as rambly. Yep. But, uh, yeah. Good talk. Good talk. Let us know what you think. Like, subscribe, review, rate, yeah. share, please. Let us know if you've read anything we've talked about. Yeah. That'd be cool, too. For sure. All right. Okay. Well, have a great day, readers. Bye. Bye.